Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick, and I'm the owner and head coach at Straight Shot Training. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about low back injuries, specifically low back injuries in active individuals, and how to optimize your recovery while still training. Now, let me start off by saying I'm not a doctor, I'm not a physical therapist, I'm not a chiropractor, so this podcast should be merely used as advice and not a prescription for a specific rehab program. So if you have a low back issue that you think might be serious, make sure you talk to your doctor about what kinds of things you can and can't do depending on your specific situation. Secondly, for today, we're going to be talking about dealing with minor low back strains sustained during activities like weight training or sports. So if you have a low back issue that stems from poor posture or a sedentary lifestyle, that's a whole other topic in itself, but I'm briefly going to touch on that just for a second. So being physically active is one of the absolute best things you can do if you are inactive and living with low back pain. First things first, though, we need to learn what good posture is and how to maintain it throughout the day. Because if you don't have good posture, even if you're active, you can still be exacerbating that low back issue. So let's go over a quick primer on what good posture is and how to hold it. So if you are not driving right now, and if you can do this right now, go ahead and stand up. So stand up, let's keep your feet underneath your hips and your toes straight forward. We're going from the ground up on this one here. Next, I need you to squeeze your glutes tight. So squeeze your butt tight and then brace your abs like you're pulling your ribs towards your waistband. But don't slouch or bend over. So ribs down. Now with that bracing, stand tall by lifting your shoulders and pulling your head back so it doesn't trail forward. So if you are near a mirror, I know I'm asking a lot of you right now, if you have a mirror nearby and you stood sideways, your spine should now be neutral meaning it's not going to be flexed forwards, so you're not slouching forward, but it's not going to be arched backwards, overextended in the opposite direction. You should be standing tall with your eyes straight forward. That's proper posture. Deviations of this combined with bad posture while sitting and lying down can lead to tightness in the low back and the associated pain that comes with the tightness in the low back. So now that you know how to hold this proper posture, you need to try to focus a little bit every day on staying in that position for the majority of the times you're standing and sitting and laying down. Now, it's okay to relax a little bit. You don't need to stand stiff like a guard outside the Queen's Palace all day, but you do need to try to be in good positions more often than not. But it's not just about standing or sitting with good posture. You do need to do some resistance training to make sure that you can challenge your position. Now, what I mean by that is not only do we use weight training to challenge your muscles, to get you stronger, maybe get your muscles bigger, or something like that, we like to use weights to challenge your posture because overcoming the weights, trying to move your posture out of a good position, forces you to maintain good positions, and that's key to keeping your low back healthy and strong. So when you are under the weight of a bar, let's say a bar is on your back and you're squatting, that bar is challenging your posture. If you keep good posture while moving that bar, you're going to be okay. If something happens when you move out of that, then you might have some type of low back issue. Same thing with deadlifting or pressing overhead. You always want to hold that posture. That posture is your position. That is yours. You need to hang on to it and don't let the weights tell you where that midline is supposed to go. So when it comes to your actual program, you want to make sure that your fitness program has a proper warm-up, something with good hip and middle back mobility. Make sure you do some stability work for your trunk, uh, some resistance work using compound movements like squats, deadlifts, lunges, presses, 
Other exercises involving large muscle groups working together. And then you also need to work on your flexibility with proper foam rolling or other mobility tools, and then work on your flexibility as well with some static and dynamic stretching. Now, if that sounds like a lot for you to figure out on your own, I got a secret for you. If you head over to straightshottraining.com, we'll take care of all of that for you. As a quick plug for it there, I normally talk about it at the end, but we do have a full body conditioning program that has a large focus on creating stability in that trunk while you do all these functional movements. And we can handle all that programming of the warm up, the conditioning work, the strength training work, the prehab, the cool down, all that's taken care of for you. We just need you to put in the work to make it work for you. So now on to today's topic, we're talking low back injuries that occasionally arise while lifting weights. The reason why I want to talk to you specifically about this on the show this week is because exactly one year ago, I sustained myself a low back tweak at some point in my training and I didn't focus on recovering correctly at first and I spent too much time dealing with the pain and exacerbating it before I did what I knew I should have done in the first place and what I would have had one of my clients do and systematically address my pain and the root cause of the injury. So after following the following protocol that I'm about to give you, I recovered well, I came back stronger, and I've been able to use my minor setback to help others deal with similar issues, and I really hope it helps you out too. So we're going to start with my symptoms from this journal entry from my training journal. So I listed that my symptoms were possibly caused by a strained low back muscle because I had pain in the left side of my low back that radiated while standing. I had sharp pain while I was sitting or squatting, especially when I was trying to pick something up. And my spinal flexion, or being able to bend forward both at my spine and at my hips, was very limited due to the pain and it made it hard to pick anything up off the floor. So at some point during the week of August 21st, I had done paused back squats, so sitting low in the bottom bottom of my squat, pausing and coming back up. I may have lost tension at the bottom of that. I didn't feel anything at the time, but maybe I, I pulled a muscle there. Uh, then I went to a trampoline park. I'm thinking that probably was more it. Um, it was the sky zone, so it was a bunch of trampolines. My friend and I went crazy there for like an hour and a half of jumping on a trampoline. I felt horrible after that. All those symptoms came about after that week of a heavy squatting program mixed with that trampoline park. So I'm guessing it was just an overload before that muscle finally had that minor tear. So I took it easy for a week. I did just single leg lower body exercises like lunges and step ups that didn't bother it. And I tried to work light squats back in the following week. And those felt okay. But then I re-injured the low back muscle on power cleans uh, in the first week of September. So I decided I'm just going to cut lower body out. But then I thought that box jumps would be a good idea like four days later. They weren't a good idea. It made her really bad doing those. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take two full days off. I'm going to see my friend, Dr. Cassie, who's a chiropractor, and try to see if she can figure out what this is. So Cassie said it was a muscular injury and not a slip disc. Now this is an important part of this story because if you have an injury, it's a good idea to have somebody evaluate exactly what it might be or give you at least a good guess, uh, somebody educated who knows this stuff really well so that you can make sure that you're not going to be doing the wrong things in your recovery. So I knew it wasn't a disc injury. I knew it was muscular. So she did several, several adjustments on that day, did some manual therapy. I felt great the next day. I bought a TENS slash EMS unit on Friday, so this is a muscular uh, stimulation unit. A TENS, T-E-N-S, 
sends these uh, pulsating signals that block the pain signals. So that just kind of numbs the pain without having to take any medication or anything. And then EMS is electric muscular stimulation. So that actually contracts the muscle, then causes it to relax to kind of stimulate the muscle without having to bend over and move it. And it can increase the healing and strengthen the muscle that way. Now, I'll tell you this, I did overdo it when I first got it because I tend to overdo things a little bit. So if you decide to buy one of those units, definitely have somebody teach you how to use it and go sparingly on it at first. Don't overdo it. So Later that weekend, I did just upper body. Uh, I didn't do anything lower body. By Monday, my back felt about 90% pain-free, and most of my mobility was back. Then I went to Sky Zone again, which I'm not sure why I did that. Well, it was my friend and his son. They were going, and they really wanted me to come there and jump with them. And I was like, I'm just going to take it easy, but I can't take it easy when I get on a trampoline. So I re-injured it. It was just as bad as the very first week, a month before. So I realized I had just lost a month of good training by just being stupid with the way I was recovering. I woke up with same pain, same tightness, and I wrote in my journal, it's clear I'm not resting enough. I am not recovering really at all in this past month. Rather than waste another month, it's time to start the following protocol. And then I wrote it up. I was serious. I was done with this pain. So I came up with this five-phase protocol that I'm going to share with you all now. Phase one is pain management and restoring mobility. That's job number one here is make sure you're feeling good and that you can move well. So there was a list of movements that I was not going to do during this phase. No jumping, no deadlifts, no squats, no burpees, no running, no rowing, no kettlebell work, no spinal flexion, so hinging over the spine, no standing overhead press, nothing heavy overhead, no circuits using my low body, but what I could do was any upper body movements, any cycling. I was in the pool a lot during this time, especially like walking and and, uh, side to side lateral drills in the pool to build up the strength of my hips. I could walk or use a, a revolving staircase or a step mill, that was okay. And I could do lots of hip and leg mobility. Those are the things I could do. What I found extremely beneficial during this time was my back-specific rehab, which a lot of these exercises you see now in the Straight Shot training program as prehab exercises, so I can make sure all of you have nice, healthy, and strong low backs, and you don't ever have to use these exercises to manage pain because it'll keep you pain-free by doing them in the first place. So I did stuff like single leg deadlifts, no weight, just reaching down and touching the floor, hinging at the hips on a single leg. I did a lot of uh, clamshells or fire hydrants, other Uh, glute mead work. I did hip raises, other glute work. I did just about every plank variation you could think of and some new ones I thought up of myself. And then uh, reverse hyperextensions and light back extensions. And that was my bread and butter was that back specific rehab. I did that every day. It was huge for me during this time. So I highly, highly recommend if you have a low back injury and you're working on your mobility and your flexibility, start doing some core stability exercises as long as they're pain-free and it'll make a huge difference. Now during this time, I was working on my mobility by doing lots of foam rolling and lots of lacrosse ball work on hamstrings, glutes, my thoracic spine, and my QL. QL is the muscle that sits on your low back just above your hips and it's in between your hips and your ribs, so think of a square between the bottom of your ribs, the top of your hips, your spine, 
and the outside of your obliques. That square on the back of your low back is your quadratus laborum. That muscle got really, really tight on me whenever I was rehabbing whatever very, very deep low back stabilizer muscle I had strained or pulled. So I had to make sure that that muscle stayed supple enough that I could still move. Then I was using heat both in the morning and at night. Now when you first pull a muscle or strain a muscle or have some type of injury, ice can help with reducing the inflammation or reducing swelling. But after that initial strain, like first two, three days, you actually want a little bit of inflammation in order to increase healing. So you don't want to keep icing, icing and icing and icing. It's just not going to heal. So I found that heat would relax the muscle, increase blood flow to the area, and allowed me to move pain-free. I would drive with, an, with a heat pack on my low back. When I got to work, I was okay. I would heat it up in the microwave before I left work because I have a pretty long commute, drive home with it. I was okay in the evenings. And then when we were sitting watching TV or something, or I would lay on the floor and I had to have a heating pan on my back, and so I would be able to sleep and it wouldn't get so tight whenever I was sleeping. And I was also using my TENS unit to manage any pain at the same time with that. As for resting during this time, I didn't work out for three full days other than my, my mobility and my back specific rehab. But then after that, I just did upper body and core stability movements until this first phase was completed. Sleep was huge at this time. I was sleeping nine or more hours a night. Like I went to bed early just to make sure I got the sleep I needed so my body could recover. I always think of it this way. And if you have a pet, maybe your cat, like you come home and they're limping, they got in a fight or something, or your dog is sick or something like that, do you notice how much they sleep? Like they sleep a really long time because animals know how to recover. We aren't as smart as them, I guess, because we just try to keep doing everything that makes our issues worse when we really need to spend more time sleeping when we're recovering from injuries like this. My nutrition at this time, I completely cut out sugar. I don't really, I have maybe one or two alcoholic drinks a week, and I completely cut that out, and I increased my fat and my protein intake. I also was taking about six grams of fish oil at this point, which is kind of a lot. Um, definitely check with your doctor before you start taking a ton of fish oil. But the reason I changed my diet was I wanted to focus on high quality foods with tons of vitamins and minerals and water during my recovery, as well as those high doses of fish oil to control too much inflammation and increase my fat intake so that I could increase my growth hormone production and increase my protein consumption so I could aid in the repairing of the damaged tissue. And plus, I was also a lot less active during this phase, so I didn't need near as many carbohydrates at that time. The duration of this phase, and this is important, I did not put a time frame on my recovery. I just put a minimum amount of time that I was going to spend doing only these things listed in this phase before I would do anything else outside of it. So I would continue phase one until zero resting or daily activity pain was present in my back. After that, I would test my body weight squat and very light deadlift form, like just a PVC pipe. Tightness on those movements was gonna be okay, but they had to be pain-free before I would move to phase two. And I couldn't be in phase one any less than an entire week. Even if it felt great after two days, I was going to stay in this phase for an entire week before I moved on. Phase two is reestablishing endurance and stability in all the movements that originally caused you pain. So our no list of exercises, I wasn't going to do any jumping or plyometrics or any sprinting. 
I wasn't going to use kettlebells for any swings, cleans, or snatches, nothing like slam balls or anything with fast bilateral hip flexion. I was very cautious about fast spinal flexion, so I wasn't doing any leg raises or sit-ups or anything like that. I wasn't going to do any barbell squats, no barbell deadlifts, and I was still not going to do any circus with the lower body. What I was going to do under my yes list of exercises, I was still going to do my upper body movements. I was going to move into body weight and light kettlebell squats and deadlifts, both unilateral and bilateral, so squats and lunges and step-ups and deadlifts and single leg deadlifts, all of that with the kettlebells. And my focus here was on pause reps, so I'd pause at the top and the bottom. I would use tempo work, meaning sitting slow before I pause and standing up controlled and using high repetitions. I was doing sets of like 30 pause squats with a 20 pound kettlebell just to make sure my form was completely perfect and that I wasn't going to move out of any good postural positions while I was working. Again, I was still doing my back-specific rehab. I was making those a little bit harder, maybe holding my planks a little longer, doing some higher repetitions when it comes to the hip exercises, but I wasn't going crazy with it. I was still doing my foam rolling and lacrosse ball work. I was still following my heat protocol, but I didn't need to use it quite as much because most days my back wasn't feeling that tight. My pain was gone, but I still had a lot of tightness at this point. So I was using that more just to make sure the muscles were, were loose before I was going to be... Uh, working out or working or having to stand for a long period of time. As for rest at this point, I was only doing lower body twice a week and it was only like one or two exercises because I was still focusing on upper body lifting in my sessions. So I was allowing myself enough recovery time from this very light but higher repetition work with kettlebells when it came to my squats and deadlifts and things like that. My sleep, I was still getting more than eight hours of sleep a night because it was still beneficial. It always is beneficial to get more sleep, uh, but I, I didn't get the nine that I was getting that first week. I went a little crazy with that because I knew how important it was. As for nutrition, I was still avoiding sugar. And the reason why sugar is sugar isn't bad, I just didn't want it to replace any type of high-quality food that I could be eating. Now, I do use dextrose which is a very fast-acting sugar in my post-workout drinks. So I was putting that back in at this point, but I wasn't eating any sugar other than that. I was still focusing on high-quality foods. Uh, at this point, I dropped the fat and raised the carbs up a little bit because I was expending more uh, glucose during these workouts that were more intense. And I kept the fish oil up, definitely keeping the fish oil in there. As for the duration of this phase... I was going to continue phase two until zero pain on all of my kettlebell squats and deadlifts and that they started to feel looser. And then I was going to test my barbell front and back squats and test my barbell deadlifts. And those had to be silky smooth, no pain on those, and no less than one week in phase two. Phase three is all about reestablishing strength endurance. So not just high repetitions at no weight or low weight, we're starting to add a little bit of weight here while still staying in those moderate repetition ranges. So my no list for exercises, still no jumping, no plyometrics. We're still staying away from kettlebell swings, cleans, or snatches, staying away, mainly dynamic things that we're staying away from here. 
and still not doing circuits with lower body just because I really wanted to focus on my form and not have any outside factors like trying to get a fast time on something or trying to keep my heart rate up or anything like that. My yes list for my movements, still doing upper body movements, but now I'm adding in both back and front squats with a barbell. I'm now doing deadlifts with a barbell, still focusing on pause reps and tempo reps, but now I'm moving into moderate repetitions since I'm putting a little bit of weight on there, and I was able to start sprinting again at that time without any pain or tightness. Still doing my back-specific rehab, as always, still doing my foam rolling, all of that good stuff. The heat at this point was every once in a while. Maybe the day after squatting, I would put it on before I went to work or on my way to work because my back was a little bit tight, but it wasn't really painful at that point. During this time, my rest was I was doing full-body workouts. So I would do like full-body three times a week so I had plenty of rest in between each one. And I kept my weights pretty light and controlled so that I could recover well from these workouts. Still sleeping more than eight hours a night. My nutrition at this point was I returned to flexible dieting. Uh, so I had an occasional donut here and there. Still kept my fish oil up, but I was pretty much back to eating normal at this point. The duration of this phase was I continued phase three until full control was established on squats and deadlifts. No less than one week. And full control meant I needed to have zero deviations from perfect form at lighter loads. So there's no point in adding weight if you can't control your spine throughout a full range of motion on these lower body lifts. So that was my uh, measuring stick for this was if I had full control, never deviated my posture on these, so my back didn't round out at all on my squats at the bottom. I wasn't overextended at the top. I wasn't overextended when I pulled my deadlifts. I would either videotape myself or have somebody watch me. I was very, very, very cautious at this point because I knew it was crucial when I was adding weight to not deviate from good posture. Phase four is where it really started to get fun. Phase four is reestablishing hypertrophy and strength. So hypertrophy is muscle size or gaining muscle size. This wasn't about getting a jacked lower back. It was just I knew I had lost some muscle density in my low back by taking that time to take a step back, take a step forward. So I knew I needed to regain some of that muscle I had lost. So my no list of exercises, any exercise or movement that caused any pain when I tested it, I wasn't going to do that day. So I was feeling good, but I was still Introducing some exercises I hadn't done in a while, and I wanted to make sure that they weren't going to exacerbate the issue. So I would test them out. If they caused pain, wouldn't do them. If I was going to do plyometrics, I would use soft surfaces. So I would jump onto a gymnastics mat, and I would step off. I wasn't doing anything with a hard deceleration. My yes list, I was back to full body lifting. I was still focusing on my control throughout various rep ranges. I would do low, moderate, and high repetitions at this point. I was back to doing sprints. I was back to doing circuits with low body movements, but I was very careful with them. And the biggest thing I found during this time was using resistance bands over the barbells. So doing banded squats, banded deadlifts. I was using bands to decrease the load at the bottom of the lift, but increase the load at the top. And this was key in my recovery because I could attach the bands to the bar on these lifts so the weight was heaviest at the top of the movement when the bands were stretched. But the top of the movement is where everybody controls things pretty well. Things go awry typically at the bottom of the movement. 
so I could control the weights with a lighter weight at the bottom and much heavier weight at the top where my spine was less at risk. So I was able to build up some muscle without overdoing it at the more sketchy parts of these lifts if you aren't careful. Kept my back specific rehab in, kept my self myofascial release work in, that's that foam rolling and mobility stuff with lacrosse balls and stuff like that. I didn't need to use heat at this point, but I still kept it in my protocol for you in case you need it. You can still use it at this point. Um, you shouldn't need to by this point, but in case something feels tight, it's not a bad idea to use it. I was still keeping my uh, lower body weights controlled in my circuits. I wasn't going very heavy in circuits because when you're moving quicker and your heart rate is up, that's when you can lose your posture and your position, and that's whenever things can go bad. Sleeping still more than eight hours a night, or at least eight hours a night, my nutrition was the same as the phase before. I was returning to flexible dieting, but I was still not eating too many things that weren't beneficial for me. And I was continuing this phase by using bands to add resistance until my strength was fully established on those. And what fully established meant, uh, it's going to be different for everybody, but I wanted to see that my weights were getting into like the 70, maybe 80% range of what they used to be. Um, it's hard to estimate with bands, but I was kind of making guesses about where about where it was at. And I was going to stay in this phase for no less than a week, of course. But once I felt like my strength was established, then I moved on to phase five. Phase five is reestablishing maximal strength and power. So I didn't have a no list of exercises at this point. This is me reintroducing myself back into all of the movements that I used to love to do. Um, and some I didn't love to do, but I still did anyway. And my yes list on this was everything I did in phase four, plus now I was doing plyometrics on all surfaces. So I could do box jumps on a regular box. I was still stepping down, I was still careful about the way I did things, still tested exercises, but I was doing just about everything at this point. Still doing my back specific rehab. Even though I felt great at this point, every single workout I did my rehab work because at this point it was prehab. I did not want this injury to happen again, so I was doing the things that helped me recover from it to help me prevent it. Still doing my SMR work, still occasionally using heat at this point, same as phase four, really not much at all. And I was back to using, uh, working up to normal weights, uh, the weights that I was using before all of this happened, getting kind of close to that. And uh, back to my normal dieting, normal sleeping, all of that stuff. So that duration of the phase went on for a long time because I was enjoying my workouts, what I was doing. I was moving my weights back up to where they went. I didn't have a super specific goal in mind at that point. I was about to go into, uh, I guess I was into the holidays at that point. I knew that I was going to do a weight gain cycle sometime in December into January. So I just stayed in that one for a while. So I continued with phase five for at least two weeks before I started putting plyometrics back into workouts. And before I really increased the load on my squats into the lower rep ranges, so heavy threes, heavy fives, I did phase five for about two weeks before I started really going harder with it. All in all, it took me about eight weeks using this protocol to return to normal lifting. And occasionally I'd feel some tightness during an exercise, so I'd modify the movement to make sure I had complete control. And I would stop the movement if I ever felt any low back pain. The biggest takeaway from all of this was how important it was to focus on posture while lifting. So I always thought that I did that, but the more I evaluated my movement, the more I saw small flaws that needed fixing. 
Now, this didn't mean that I was just going to stop deadlifting or stop pressing overhead or stop squatting because of the possible risk of an injury there. It just meant that I lightened up the weights, took a step back, focused on my form, and really hammered core stability work both in my warm-ups and after my lifts, and then applied that core stability to all of the lifts that I was doing. So now looking back on my injury and how it shaped the way I programmed for straight shot, I'm kind of glad it happened actually. Because if I hadn't tweaked that muscle, I wouldn't have learned what it takes to recover from a back injury and how to use those same rehab exercises as prehab exercises in the straight shot program so I could make sure that everyone I got a chance to work with would be safe when they squatted and deadlifted and pressed overhead and did all these functional movements that we have in our program. So it definitely wasn't comfortable, but I'm definitely thankful for the things I learned as a result of it. If you would like to learn more about the Straight Shot Training program, head over to straightshottraining.com for all of the details on a subscription there. If you have any questions for me, whether it's about low back pain or another injury that you think you might be able to use this protocol for, definitely hit me up on Facebook or Instagram using the handle at straightshottraining. Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. And if you have a second to head over to iTunes to leave us a rating, that would be awesome. Have a great week, everybody. 